We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, KJ Podcast. What up, my people? Hope everyone's having an incredible January. Absolutely loving the memes that it's January 74th. It's felt like the longest month ever. Productive month for Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. It's been awesome. Productive month for the 49ers too. I mean, they lost some coaches. They have some other coaches in new positions. Shane Day now going to lead the QB's coaches. Martin Mayhew gets a little bit of a promotion. Same title as Adam Peters. We'll dive in there. There's a couple like newsworthy 49ers things I want to get to. Definitely want to talk about the love triangle, Quinnen Williams, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa. Two of those three are going to be available to pick from at the number two overall spot. Really, I'm having a tough time firmly committing to Nick Bosa because I like Quinnen Williams and Josh Allen that much. Am I the only person who likes all three of these guys? It's kind of rare because I normally pick out guys that I don't want in the top 10, but all three of these guys, I think, could be future 49ers and could have productive careers in the right spot. Then I put out a little thing, the top 12 assets right now in the 49ers roster, personnel assets, not draft picks, not Kyle Shanahan, just who is literally on the 53, who are the top 12 players. We'll talk about guys who missed that list and then just quickly break down a couple bullet point notes on what the 49ers are walking into this offseason because Kyle Shanahan's doing the same thing right now. He said right after the Senior Bowl, we get back, we evaluate what's in our building. And we're not going to get all the way deep into the Mark Enzachas and Richie James, you know, the the fringe 53 guys. We're going to talk top 12 and kind of what the strength of the 49ers football team is. Blue Wire, we always pause right here and just give a shout out for what we're doing. We added Saints Talk, Nick Underhill, and we added Jordan Reed who's going to do the draft board. So two new podcasts. We're debuting one tomorrow. I guess I can break the news here on my own podcast. Trench Warfare, Brandon Thorne, 
all season long, you saw great O-line clips of the 49ers. This is an O-line, D-line expert. He had Joe Staley on for like a 30-minute interview on his first podcast. So when you're done with KJ Podcast here, search Trench Warfare. It's nerdy football. It's not going to be for everyone, but Brandon is awesome. He's got like 25K Twitter followers. We're pumped. Blue Wire now officially up to 21 podcasts. We're rolling. We are adding some legit names and hopefully some content you guys can listen to besides the 49ers. Yeah, let's let's quickly start with the news and notes of the team before we get to the big picture. Shane Day, welcome to San Francisco. Not really out of left field. Shane Day has some connections to Kyle Shanahan. He's also been involved in the QB Collective unit of coaches with Richmond Flowers. That includes Sean McVay, the LaFleurs, Mike McDaniel. There is a clique of coaches that kind of see things the same way. They hang out in the offseason. Shane Day, more of a nerdier guy. I, when I first saw him, I, I remembered who he was. He'd been with the Dolphins. It's coach tight ends. This is his big break, his big opportunity. And to be honest, I'm actually surprised because T.C. McCartney gets the promotion to Denver. Longtime Kyle assistant in Cleveland. Chip Kelly actually hired him as an offensive assistant. And then Kyle retained him former LSU quarterback. You know, back in the day, we were both young and same age. Maybe you never saw him being a QBs coach, but he's been around Kyle a lot. So Kyle's bringing in an outsider instead when he could have promoted from within, which how do we read into this? Is this Kyle wanting to train someone new? Is this Kyle wanting to keep Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur close to him? And if they start working with Jimmy G, then they're all of a sudden gone. This feels like a calculated move by Kyle. I haven't really talked to any of my people. I don't know what was behind the decision. Shane Day also is a bright guy too. So I've always gone into this Kyle's management style here with his assistant coaches. He, he doesn't want to lose these guys. I just found it interesting. Kyle went outside of the box and hired someone who really hasn't coached the position extensively. Miami's offense, I guess he was with Adam Gase there little bit of a crossover. So that's the big major news. The other that we found out at the Senior Bowl, Martin Mayhew now has the same exact title as Adam Peters. They say they're going to divvy up their responsibilities. This is not a slight at Peters at all. In my estimation of the situation, it's that Martin Mayhew has made some strong suggestions about who the 49ers should have taken. Whether that's studs on the team now, or he was standing on the table for someone who's good like Jamal Adams on another team we don't know what's being said in the back room but Martin Mayhew has been acknowledged that his presence matters in San Francisco they did not have to do this remember the 49ers did this last year with Marquise Goodwin too felt really good about the season he had still under contract and gave him a little bit of a contract extension said hey we're going to take care of our own guys with some of this money It, it does send a message around the building when you promote someone with a title and Who knows? Peters? I mean, the 2017 draft class is a disaster outside of George Kittle. There's no one very tangible coming from this. C.J. Beathard is your third-string quarterback. Solomon Thomas is not a top-12 player on your team. Obviously, Joe Williams. Obviously, Reuben Foster now a member of the Redskins. So, 2017 draft class, disaster outside of George Kittle. We'll see about Colbert, and we'll get there later, too. There's, I'm not writing the entire draft class off, but looks like there's only going to be one star player from it, one really, really good player, and that's Kittle. 2018 class looking more promising, but we got to see their sophomore years. 
We can't annoy people. This time last year, Ruben Foster had not even been arrested. We were all obsessed with Ruben Foster at this point last year. So much can change in the NFL. I do love Pettis. I do love McGlinchey. I do love Warner. They all came in and made an impact. So 2018 trending in the right direction. Point is, Adam Peters, to me, doesn't look like some little superstar anymore, especially when you look at Denver and their roster and the way it's eroded and some of the decisions he's been involved in. So it was John Lynch's guy. He got to know him from John Elway up there, taught him the ropes. Is this Jed perhaps coming in and saying, hey, Martin Mayhew is actually really good. Let's let his say matter more. And again, I, I don't know their exact responsibilities. Who's overseeing college scouts? Who's overseeing free agency? It sounds like Mayhew is more the free agency guy too. So we don't know how much he's done with the draft impact, but he's been along for this whole ride here and he's an important character. And again, too, African-Americans have been passed over so much in the front office. If, if the Niners do have success, I hope he can go somewhere and run his own show again. They weren't terrible when he was in Detroit. They had some winning seasons there. KJ Podcast, those are two big newsworthy things going on with the Niners. Obviously, don't take the Senior Bowl too seriously. If you've seen any of the mic'd ups of Kyle, he was clearly joking around a ton. It's kind of a chore to be there. I know he's got young kids too. I'm sure they were like, finally, we get to hang out with their dad. Now he's gone in Alabama for the whole week. You know, some coaches do go there anyway, but tough timing. Now he's got to come back and take a break and, and just kind of get everything together for the offseason. One quick note, actually, from the Mayoko podcast, tight ends coach John Embry said he's going to set up time with George Kittle and Tony Gonzalez this offseason. I don't know how much better George Kittle can get, but for him, it's all about sustaining this level. And that's tough for superstar athletes to do. So I like him being a sponge, going to talk to Tony Gonzalez. I don't think he's going to learn new moves or new tricks. It's like, how do I sustain being a consistent superstar? What did you do on a day-to-day basis? Like, did you unplug at certain points of the season? Like, how did you mentally do this, Tony Gonzalez? Because it's not like Tony Gonzalez was some... George Kittle athlete. Like, George Kittle's a better athlete than Tony Gonzalez was. It's different generation, different tight ends. George Kittle has the best yards that's their catch on the, in the freaking league. So that's a cool deal there that John Emery set that up. Yeah, all right. So Kyle's called everyone back into Santa Clara. They get back from Mobile. And instead of talking about each position group, it really is a breakdown of each individual player on the roster. Their position coach... We'll lead it off. It's everyone sitting in a big room, you know, 12 coaches. They say they like to do this collaboratively. This could be in a big 40-person thing, but I doubt it. I bet the scouts also break things down and John Lynch and Kyle come together, or Adam Peters and Mayhew come together and kind of compare notes. So the coaches will call, let's just say a killer Weatherspoon. He's not in my top 12. He's not in my top 15. Jeff Halfley would have normally led that conversation. Now it's the new DB's coach, Joe Woods who has done some film study and maybe Robert Sala would actually lead this because Joe Woods is coming in here so new and then they'll just pick him apart. They'll, they'll highlight good games that he had. They'll highlight bad games. Green Bay, he had that outburst and was kind of just like throwing temper tantrums and they'll, they'll do this about everyone. And where does he fit in, in 2019? Is he going to be on a second contract with us? And that's, that's the discussion going on right now. And you literally mark up a report card and you, you know, enter the NFL combine saying we have a good feel of where our roster is now and like who we want to slot above certain people who needs competition. So 
threw this out there because Twitter, it's mindless. I wanted to put the 49ers assets. It ended up being 12 names. That's all that could fit. There's obviously more than 12 valuable players on the 49ers roster. We'll go backwards order, 12 to 1. But just real quick, the one problem with this is that the 49ers have some players not in the top 12 that they're paying a lot of money to. Weston Richburg got pushed around this year as a pass blocker. He was good in the run game. Not so good as a pass blocker. They spent a ton of money on him. Eric Armstead is not a top 12 player on the roster, and you're about to give him a $9 million thing just after Jimmy Ward burned you last year when you knew he wasn't really worth it, but you wanted depth. To me, Eric Armstead's a role player. Let a role player play the role. Julian Taylor, find someone else. I don't know if you need a high price option there on defense. Because this cap room is going to run out. And you're going to have to be judicious about this. Eric Armstead should not be one of your highest paid players on the roster. I never want this to be the trash, solly T podcast. I don't want to be known for that. But it's, it's just, there's no impact plays. He's not athletic. They missed this on tape that he was not going to be able to fit into an NFL defense and be that splash player. Can he be the role player? For sure. Will he get a second contract from the 49ers? I would say it's up in the air. It's definitely up in the air after two years. And, you know, I'm not going to harp on this every time, but I'm willing to give his snaps to other people next year and him be that backup because number 12 on this list, Ronald Blair is the second best defensive lineman the 49ers have. He played 49% of the snaps last year, five and a half sacks, was disruptive in the run game, violent hands, energy type of player, like off the bench giving juice. And again, John Lynch inherited this guy. This was a Trent Bulky Chip Kelly special in the 2016 draft. He also had a good season his rookie year too and then kind of fell off in 2017, good in 2018. Am I crazy to say if you give Ronald Blair more snaps, he could have eight sacks next year. He could actually be a difference maker and he's really coming to his own. And it does take six-round picks, you know, three years to really prove themselves. And I felt like he did last year. And if you switched his season with Solomon Thomas, you would have said Solomon Thomas had a great year. He was everywhere. He had five and a half sacks. And again, I think Solomon Thomas played something like 61% of the snaps and Ronald Blair was still at 49%. And that's more than Earl Mitchell at 33. So, I mean, he did get some fair run. He definitely got to play more down the stretch. And to me, he's the 12th best personnel asset on San Francisco's roster. 11 is Nick Mullins. He absolutely saved 2018 from being the least memorable season of all time. He came in against Oakland, lifted this team's spirits. They lost still most of the games with him, but you know, the win over Denver, the win over Seattle, he proved that he's a quality NFL quarterback. Is he one of top 15 starters you want to have? No, but is he a bottom starter in the league that if you're the Redskins instead of Josh Johnson – would you rather have him? Of course. I, 49ers will get some calls this offseason. I don't think they're going to deal him because of Jimmy G's health situation. And just because, why play Duck Duck Goose and try and replace this guy? Like, you missed on a third-round pick trying to do this. I am in no rush. And he's got contract versatility for days. He's an undrafted guy. you got control of him. That's part of his value. If he's good, he's going to be cheap for a while. Kyle... I think some stat, like Nick Mullins threw to more open receivers than anyone in the league the last eight weeks of the season. So, again, Kyle makes certain players better. Is this guy good on another team? We have no idea, but it was amazing to watch at the end of the year. Right now, 
I have him as the 11th most valuable asset on the Niners roster. 10th is the only receiver on the list, and he exploded at the end of the season, large part because of Nick Mullins. It's Dante Pettis, battled injuries early in the year. Remember week one had that nice shoestring catch in the end zone against Minnesota. He is a shifty route runner, and really, not many players in the league play like Dante Pettis. He uses his shoulders, his upper body to really create separation. He's a unique weapon in the red zone, as I called, that he could come in from 20 yards within, scheme him up one-on-one in man coverage, and he can beat his guy. Ultimately, think 49ers fans get out of control when he starts scoring touchdowns and everyone's screaming, he's a number one, he's a number one. I ultimately think he's your number two, and you want that alpha dog, because him as a number two, I think he could beat second cornerbacks all day. If he has to go up against elite corners every week, I don't see it. I don't see Dante Pettis becoming a superstar. If he's the second option, which is actually the third option in this offense because Kittle's going to be ahead of him, you know, him as a third option in a passing attack, you're feeling really good about. I like that pick so far. It got some criticism at the time, but Dante Pettis checks in at number 10. Nine, you got to give props to your boy Kyle Juszczyk. He's that Swiss Army knife. They put a lot of pressure on him, calling him offensive weapon when they signed him. And some of the receiving stats from Kyle with Tevin Coleman and running backs really got the expectations out of whack. But he's delivered on routes down the field. His run blocking this past season was a just significant upgrade in this offense. Kyle really figured out how to use him there. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, did they overpay for him a little bit? He does bring leadership, too. I think he's a good teammate and... Kyle does value that when he builds a roster. So does John Lynch. I think Kyle Juszczyk has been worth the signing. He's the ninth player on this most valuable list. Number eight, Fred Warner. Absolutely love it. Love his dad retweeting a lot of my tweets. Shout out to Papa Warner. He really walked right in week one, had a sick game against the Vikings, and was consistent the entire season. Did he have the flash plays where he was... You know, curb stomping people and making interceptions and forcing fumbles all the time. Not exactly, but he was around the ball. He's pretty good in coverage. He's pretty good against the run. For a third round pick, my boy Larry Kruger was trashing, I think, the pick at the time. This guy's a tweener. He doesn't really fit. He is today's NFL linebacker, 235 pounds, lean, tall, lanky. I'd like to see them use him even differently next year. He really, I mean, he's a Mike linebacker. He had the headset in his helmet as a rookie. What he did is no joke. And like in a redraft, he might be a late first round pick. So the 49ers feeling great about Fred Warner. Who do they pair him with? That's the big question next season. Malcolm Smith's gone. Brock Coyle's coming off of surgery. Elijah Lee's a nice little special teams piece and probably your fourth linebacker you might bring in competition. You know, I'm looking in the third, fourth, fifth round for Fred Warner Jr., Fred Fred Warner Light, someone you can pair with him, someone who's a will linebacker who's ultimately really good in coverage as well because, I mean, your 49ers have a good D-line that stops the run. I really think this linebacker has got to be good at coverage. That should be their strength over the run. Clearly, the league is passing the ball 65% of the time. So Fred Warner checks in at number eight. We are also being sponsored this week by MyPillow. 
four-pack special, promo code COZY. You're getting a bunch of money off. Your girlfriend, your sister, your mom, instead of buying flowers, the same old thing, get them some pillows, some really nice pillows. You made a New Year's resolution. You're planning to eat better, exercise more, be patient, kinder, whatever. It starts with a good night's rest. MyPillow.com, four-pack special. You'll get two premium pillows, two to-go pillows. You can bring them on trips, bring them on the airplane. They're little small guys. It's amazing what a difference great pillow makes. There is nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. It's a creative gift. MyPillow.com, use a promo code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, four-pack special. If you're older and just want to give them a call, 800-966-1472. That promo code can actually be used on any offer. Four-pack special is what we they're giving us at Blue Wire. They're in the mail right now. We're excited to lay on these things. And again, that's promo code COZY, C-O-Z-Y. Number seven, a tough one for me. I put Brita and Jarek McKinnon together at this point just because we haven't seen McKinnon. We know Kyle paid top dollars for him. There was a bidding war, so you're going to envision success for him, but it's not automatic, especially coming off an ACL. Brita, arguably a top 10 running back in the league last season and arguably on his best day, a top three running back. I mean, he had explosive run after explosive run. Can't stay healthy. If this guy played the entire season, he might be number three or four on the list, but he was nicked up a lot, playing through pain, playing through ankles. I think he's always going to be nicked up if he's getting the lion's share. I think he ideally is your backup with less touches. This time last year, I was saying, Matt Breida, give him as many touches as possible. He got maybe too much last season, especially early on, and he just he fought through nagging injuries. It seemed like he went down every week with an ankle I think he believe he had a concussion too so i mean running back just the most unforgiving position of all time you're it's hard to stay healthy there mckinnon yeah there's no way they have take that out in the contract i know i was trying to play up that storyline in the middle of the season that's not gonna happen they they need weapons on this offense they really do brita mckinnon dante pettis george kittle is not enough to scare everyone you're gonna need someone else who's close to a Kittle level, who's borderline pro bowler for this offense to really function. And we know Kyle and the schemes, and he's going to get the most out of the orange. He's going to squeeze it. At the end of the day, I don't want him to have to work as hard. Let's get the talent in here for Jimmy G. Let's let make people, let's let people play backyard football like you've seen Jimmy G in the red zone in the preseason against Houston. Bend throws around offensive linemen. Find Trent Taylor on a little shimmy route. Let's get athletes in here and just sometimes you don't have to scheme up everything. And I think that's one small weakness from Kyle is that he wants the scheme to look flawless and perfect and look at how every play is set up. If you get enough talent in here, you can line them up and create options for Jimmy G where it's easy. And that's what I'm looking at. And that's why I'm keeping McKinnon because he could be damn good. I could also see him not being a major contributor next year. And it does fizzle out, and the offense is still fine. I'm I'm not one way or the other on Jarek McKinnon right now. Way too early to make predictions about him. I could see this offense being fine either way, no matter if he's really good or not part of the picture. Six is big Mike McGlinchey. 
I'll never forget, I tweeted right when he was drafted, the 49ers could have got a better player, and they definitely could have. They could have gotten Derwin James, my boy Harold Landry. Didn't have the best rookie year, for sure. Pass rushers, it's hard to walk in right away and make a huge impact. He did win that Eagles game. He had a couple big games for the Titans. But McGlinchey, goddamn, he had a great rookie year, right on par with Quentin Nelson. The Colts draft pick, his teammate at Notre Dame. He is really good in the run. Has some work to do as a pass protector for sure. I think end of the season, he actually got owned a couple times. He kind of hit the rookie wall, it felt like, in December. And the O-line kind of did in general. But there were stretches. The stretches you can't even evaluate the O-line, but C.J. Beathard was the quarterback, so he wasn't getting rid of the ball and it really wasn't the O-line's fault when there was pressure after six or seven seconds. That's the NFL. That's what's going to happen. I really like the McGlinchey pick. Obviously, we haven't talked much about the Trent Brown thing. We were kind of first on that story on the KJ podcast that he was going to be out last offseason. He just did not fit Kyle's running schemes. The run game last year was majorly important that it was developed and I think can be paired nicely with Jimmy G. Mike McGlinchey was a huge part of that. The O-line was upgraded last year, in my opinion. Trent Brown's going to hit free agency. He's going to command a lot of money. The Patriots might not be able to hold on to him. They probably won't, but they might get a Super Bowl out of him because their O-line is the strength of that New England team right now. It was a great trade for New England. Yeah, I mean, could Trent Brown have been the left tackle of the future? The left tackle not as big in the run game. Love my boy Joe Staley. He's on Trench Warfare. Make sure you check that out with Brandon Thorne. Because um, he's next on this list. He's five. Right ahead of McGlinchey. Still a high-level player. So, all the cliches with him. Not the strongest. Not the most physical. Not the fastest. Not the best athlete. Just his technique is so sound and solid. He's the leader. He He's the pot stirrer in a good way, like the positive pot stirrer in the locker room, like making funny comments, also willing to call people out. Been in San Francisco his entire career. I wonder what his relationship is like with Jed York. I'm sure Jed has apologized to him a bunch for kind of throwing this thing in a train wreck and screwing Staley's career up. Staley's also played on some cheap contracts. I don't believe the Niners have ever paid him more than $10 million in a season, and they've gotten high-quality left tackle play for a long time probably Trent Bulky's best pick ever Staley has one season left as a very high level left tackle and then the 49ers really have to make plans it would not be a stunner if Kyle took a left tackle in the second round of the draft I don't think it would be third I don't think it would be fourth but if they had a top 10 grade on an O-lineman and they're sitting there early in the second round and they don't love the receivers and they don't think that receiver can be the number one guy, but they do think this left tackle can start for many years, that's often what it comes down to, guys. Who is going to be the best player for us and get a second contract? Not who's going to help in 2019 and 2020. And that's how some of these decisions are made. Oh, uh, the 49ers screw up this draft? Then they'll start thinking short-term, but I still think they're able to think long-term, which is why O-line would not be out of the question in the second round. Number four, your boy Richard Sherman. Cocky energy. He brought it last year. The defense was not good. Really not his fault. His first eight games were Pro Bowl level. 
His second eight games were probably top 20 corner level. And coming off of Achilles, I think you can expect him to play at least at the level next season, if not a little bit better. His days of being a top six corner are probably over. But if the 49ers made the playoffs next season as a wildcard team, I am feeling good with him in the playoffs next year. I don't know if this team will be good enough by this time. I'm thinking they're going to win eight, nine games next year. The bottom line is he knows the scheme. His contract was super team friendly. The deal has worked out. Corner is such an important position in this scheme. If he's paired with Earl Thomas and they get that safety fix and they get the pass rush fix, I bet Richard Sherman looks even better. I bet he is locking down possibly the entire season like he did in September coming out to prove something. Matthew Stafford last year, week two, remember this? They were not even looking his way in the second half, targeting a killer Weatherspoon that whole side of the field with major success. That's a scheme flaw a little bit, but <laughs> we've talked about some people's leadership and personality. This team starts rolling. He's going to be able to harness energy the correct way. It's hard for his act to play well when you're losing. Richard Sherman is like an avalanche effect. When your team starts winning, he starts getting a little bit more cocky. The film studies start getting a little more intense. The creativity rises up. He's trying to be different if they can figure this out and get wins i love that he's in this locker room i love that he's won before and will teach him how to handle success too this team starts randomly seven and three next year there's always a surprise i'm happy that richard sherman's in that locker room because he's not going to be celebrating this yet he's going to be able to keep everyone in check his personality and experience works if this team's winning niners fans obviously hope that's the case all right number three Some people debated this with me on Twitter. I got him at three. DeForest Buckner, 12 and a half sacks. He's a top four D lineman, interior D lineman in the NFC. No, he's not Aaron Donald, but you can almost start calling him Aaron Donald Light for how many times he wrecked games, tackles for a loss. Really came up big on third down. I don't have PFF stats in front of me right now, but... Some of his third down stops were noticeable. I mean, who else was making third down stops really besides him on a consistent basis, whether that be a tip pass, a sack, hurrying the quarterback out? He is very active. A 2016 first round pick. Chip Kelly was heavily involved, remember, in that draft pick. 49ers have harnessed him in this scheme. I want to just tie this together right now. We're going to do a deep dive on Quinn and Williams, but how do those two fit together? I'm not going to get into the minutia of the three technique, the five technique. They would, they would shade Buckner differently in alignment with an elite nose tackle. If Quinn and Williams was the pick, which by the way, I am in love with all three prospects here. The more I watch Quinn and Williams, the more I actually see this defense becoming legit right away. He's on the same level for me as a Josh Allen. If Nick Bosa goes number one of the Cardinals and it's those two, it's more of a coin flip now. I came out so heavy all about Josh Allen. Quinton Williams is the safer pick, in my opinion. He's he's almost bust-proof because I think he's going to take up two linemen all the time. And here here's the main point I wanted to make while I'm bringing him up now instead of just reviewing Buckner's season because it's a math equation with those two. You have to put three O linemen on them at all times. Sometimes four. 
if both are dominating. If you put four, it's going to free up other people. You you can't double team both of them. Someone is going to get single team looks. And I have a feeling it actually would be Buckner. I have a feeling he could get like 17 sacks next to Quinton Williams, who might have like five and a half, but just be a wrecking ball also in the run game. So they're going to have to project all of this out. The D-line could potentially be better with a free agent pass rusher and Quinton Williams as opposed to Josh Allen and, I don't know, and freaking DJ Jones. I love him. I don't think he's ready to come in and dominate. I ideally think DJ Jones is a backup and a a guy you feel really good if someone gets injured, he can start. He's he's a starter quality backup at nose tackle at, at interior D line. Um I love Buckner. 99 and he does his little shovel dance when he gets his sacks. I mean, he had the best season on defense a 49ers defender has had since when? Since I've covered the team. I've covered the team, talked about him for three years. No one has put up a statistical or on-film season like Buckner just did. And like I've mentioned with Kittle, who's number two on this list, how do you make sure this is consistency from DeForest Buckner? That's the big step. Doing it again next year. Not even doing more. Just doing it again. Yeah, like we just mentioned, George Kittle, number two on this list. Best tight end in the league with... So many different metrics. Yardage, yards after catch, not touchdowns. And my boys on the Candlestick Chronicle, Chris Biederman, Kyle Madsen, have brought this up. George Kittle's evolution as a player will be more touchdowns and become that red zone weapon. Maybe line him up at receiver in the red zone. Split him wide a lot. You saw that being very successful for the Patriots and Gronk. Especially, yeah, I mean, even in a two-minute offense, does it actually really matter where you line up Kittle? Get him the ball, and it's 20 yards every fucking time. It was the brightest spot of the season. It was like, okay, here's a 10-yard pass to this guy. and what He's gone for 30 yards. I remember tweeting out gifts of Forrest Gump. It was just like, it reminded me of that. Speaking of personalities, he's got a huge one. And... It, it fits this locker room. He's going to UFC events with Kyle Shanahan in the offseason. He's at Iowa Boy. There's two really good Iowa tight ends coming out in the draft as well. Kirk Ferentz building a little tight end factory up there, and Kittle's the headliner from it. Yeah, I mean, like he is the star of this team besides number one here, Jimmy Garoppolo, the most important asset on the 49ers roster. We all know Jimmy G plays good. Next season, the 49ers will go 10-6. and six. If he plays average, they'll probably go eight and eight. If he doesn't play that well, they're gonna go six and ten. He's literally a make or break for their record. His December, if you go back and watch the film again, how impressive it was, not just because of the limited playbook knowledge, but just he's throwing off his back foot. He's converting on third down all the time. The 49ers led the league in time of possession. The offense was executed to a T. He did throw a couple interceptions. He also led drives early in games against Jacksonville for a touchdown. Stepped on the Texans' throat on the road. Gave the team an entirely different energy. And shout out, we love his branded post on IG with like New Era, Jordan. He's got some, the sponsored post, man. Fucking love it. He's getting like probably 100000 for a sponsored post. Doesn't post anything else. 
Absolutely love it. He's a QB. He's still developing his brand. Like we don't know him yet. We know we have a taste. We have a Christmas taste. We've opened up one Christmas present. We do not know Jimmy Garoppolo yet. And that's exciting. And it's also terrifying. We can see that this guy plays on a level that's a top five quarterback in the league, but we know there's probably a floor. There's probably going to be some downs. And if this season was six and 10, a lot of it will be his fault. And now just because of his injury and missing season three, the pressures on Kyle and John Lynch all of a sudden if Jimmy G doesn't play well. So these three are obviously interconnected and we'll have to see what happens. But I'm leaning towards him performing, this team winning more games than it doesn't. And his play looking closer to December than that Lions game. I mean, he was fine to begin the season. The Lions game was tough. He did not play well there. He played well in Minnesota. He played well in the second half against the Chiefs before tearing his ACL. We're going to have so much more coverage of him. Yeah, we normally talk about Kyle and the schemes a lot. I thought we'd go individuals. We talk about position groups a lot. What do they need to upgrade? Those are 12 players you're feeling good about. The strength of this 49ers team is their head coach, his offensive play calling, tight end is dynamic, interior rusher dynamic, you have a good young tackle. You also don't have a ton of players, 15 through 30, who you really love. Marquise Goodwin, I won't be shocked if he's phased out of the offense next year. I won't be shocked if he has 60 catches either. He's such a weird in-between piece right now. Adrian Colbert, is he going to be the starter at free safety? Is he going to be a depth piece that you're feeling really good about? There's a couple guys on the 49ers right now who had great 2017s and we're just out of the picture in 2018 it's like what happens can they return to the flashes of brilliance we saw two seasons ago the nfl moves so quickly and you're hoping the 49ers have what five or six draft picks they don't have a ton they obviously lean heavily on undrafted guys to come in they still have their dj reeds and tafarius morris from last year as well but you know those guys it's going to take a while and now they're going to have to fight competition Overall, this roster is in okay shape. Not great shape, not bad shape. Have enough pieces to get things done with a good coaching staff, with a good quarterback. KJ Podcast, running a little long, like evaluating the roster. That's what happened in Santa Clara. That's what's going on now. Each player, their profile is getting debated by the coaching staff. The coaching staff's going to do this till the combine, go up to the combine, blow off some steam, get drunk every night have fun it's literally the best event in nfl history if you're a reporter to just go and party with coaches scouts agents that's literally probably the only part i miss about the credential was going to the combine it's incredibly fun but blue wire who knows maybe we'll get credentialed i think we're building something legit here it's awesome to see everyone come together make sure you check out ted Wynn, coffeehouse stunt he had dan orlovsky on Jeff Schwartz previewing the Super Bowl. We have content everywhere, localized, niche. Shout out to The Ringer and Bill Simmons getting $15 million in ad sales last year. They're setting the way. They're paving the way. Podcast can be the main dish now. This is fun. This is better than a three-minute article. We're hanging out for 35, 40 minutes. Only recording once a week now. We'll get back up to twice, I'm sure, during free agency when some breaking news and stuff happens. Shout out to Shane Day. Welcome to the team. 
And we'll talk to you again next week. Oh, my Super Bowl pick. I'm going Patriots. I'm going them in a crazy close game. 30 to 29. 49ers fans, I've said this before. If you're rooting for the Rams, you don't understand the NFL. You do not want the team you're competing with to get all this positive momentum, believe in themselves, and possibly become a dynasty because Jared Goff is better than people are giving him credit for. So you root your asses off for the Patriots. doesn't matter about legacies and total numbers. The Patriots are going to go down as a better franchise than the 49ers because they did it for 20 years with the same coach and quarterback. The Niners didn't. I'm sure you guys are going to be pissed off. The old heads are going to be like, what's KJ talking about at the end of that? No way. Patriots are a better franchise than the 49ers. Root for the Patriots. It that's not a part of the debate. You don't want the Rams. All right, I'm rambling at the end now. This is probably my longest podcast ever. BlueWirePods.com. Check it out. All right, people. Talk to you later. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.